Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dak Shepard. I'm joined by an Emmy-nominated miniature mouse. Ooh, we have an Emmy-nominated guest today as well. Two-time Emmy nominee, not to wow. rub your nose in it. Something I want to be. Two-time Golden Globe nominee. I mean, maybe more. That all just happened just from one show when he was a preteen. So there could be more. There likely are more. Oh, there's more? There's probably more. If you're already taking stabs at who the guest is and you didn't read it when you hit play, it's Fred Savage. Uh, just a delightful son of a gun who I've bumped into socially over the years and always found him to be just an extraordinary conversationalist. Yeah. Great sense of humor. Mm. Humble mm. and likable and cute. All of those things. I would concur. You know him from The Wonder Years, Princess Bride, The Grinder. He has a new show on Fox right now, Sundays, I believe. What Just Happened is the name of it on Fox. What Just Happened, one of the funnier concepts I've heard for a show in a long, long time. We talk a lot about this on the episode, so I want to prime people. I would imagine that most people in the country don't really take stock of who's directing television. Right. He is probably directed 100 episodes of television at this point. He directs nonstop. Yes. He's a favorite of actors who've worked with him. Yeah. His name is Fred Savage, but he's not savage. No. No, he's kind and nice. So <laughs> please enjoy Mr. Savage. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. Ooh. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia. Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach. Yes. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia? Yeah. It mm. was a very common beach destination. Ugh. Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. He's an realized with headphones is that I don't need to project nearly as much as I do in real life. Yes. And I'm screaming most. I, I'm just a general allowed person. You're a projector. I am. Uh-huh. To the back row. From I, the diaphragm. Oh, sure, <laughs> yeah. sure. As Way a, down deep in the cockles. Yeah. We've been trained. <laughs> um, I've always been super, super loud. This makes me feel like, no, they can hear you fine. Yes. And so I sound much more relaxed composed and thoughtful yes <laughs> rather than just like this foghorn yeah I, I completely agree i communicate the exact same way as you i think that's why we both went into directing probably we can communicate with like 120 people at once at without, without a megaphone yeah right have you found on your game show mm. you're very good on it you're very relaxed okay we did two seasons when i did one yeah and with ricky gervais you did yes, one yes yeah. 
and we shot the whole season in four days. So it's not like you get a chance to review your work. I had no qualifications for the job. Same. And all of a sudden, there I am. And I'm not so arrogant that I'm like, oh, I got this. Right. But I'm not dumb to be like, no, thanks. Like, sure, why not? What a fun gig. I'm into it. Yeah. And so I had no skills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I watched the show and I'm like, oh, they have like sound capturing equipment. <laughs> There. Right. I don't need to yell oh. over the applause. <laughs> yes. I have a, a four-story wheel spinning behind me that sounds like it's one bolt away from falling right off and landing on me. And I mean, the talk over it. Yes, and the thing is making very scary noises yeah. the whole time, you know, and I'm supposed to be recapping what money they have and everything, right. but I always have one eye just like, is that fucker about to break loose? What was the name of the show? The name of the show was Child Support. Child Support. Not a great name. <laughs> but, but it had a different title originally, like Five Something. Yes. Yeah. It was like five, five for fighting as a band. Right. <laughs> That's, that wasn't that. Yeah. It was. Well, that would explain the name change. Five to stay alive <laughs> or five to survive or something. Right. And they changed the child support, which no one has a positive association with that phrase. No, I'm not like, oh yeah, let's get into some child support. You know support. what I need more of my life? <laughs> yeah. Child support. Yeah. Either it reminds you that you could end up be divorced and paying child support, or you're already divorced and you're paying child support. It reminds you of something that painful that happened or a fear that you might have, or the reason you've never even had children. That's right. Did Ricky predate you? Ricky predated me. Because I just got to say, for me personally, if they say, hey, we'd like you to be in this diarrhea medication commercial. I'm like, N never, not over my dead body. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, Ricky Gervais in it. I'm like, I can't get there soon enough. Who doesn't suffer from diarrhea? <laughs> right. 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 I have it weekly. I'm helping people out. Yes, I can speak this from the heart. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Ricky was part of it. So yeah, obviously. And I, I never met him. Oh, you didn't? Never met him. I talked to him on the phone a couple times. And right before we started shooting the first episode, and I was nervous and he gave me this, in the middle of the call, I'm like, oh, I'm getting a pep talk right. from Ricky Gervais, <laughs> right, right. which was awesome. Like all the stuff you'd want to hear. I shouldn't sip this into the microphone, right? That was gross. Well, okay, uh, well, it appears half our audience has misophonia, yeah. so. They don't like the slurping sound? <laughs> they they that like. could be very asmr -y. That could be a very exactly. a soothing line. thing. 10% will love it and mm -hmm. get aroused. 50% will throw up and smash their car into a tree. So right. it's really hard for us to decide. <laughs> Boy, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Because that 10% will really love it. Well, th and that's, I think, more of a diehard base, probably. <laughs> that, like more rabid base. I said I get down. Sorry, guys. Sorry for the misophonia. Yeah. The pep talk, though. Yeah. And it was all the stuff that you know about performing or comedy or improvisation or anything. Anything you say is the right thing. You know, don't worry about it. Right. You know, just any, the worst thing you can do is check yourself. So if, you, if there's something that you want to say and it comes that just go with it. And he just gave me this freedom. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got to be good and I have to be right. It's all those things about performing and comedy. And the looser you can be, yeah. the better. Like the worst thing you can do is try to manhandle it. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I remember Bill Murray being interviewed on Letterman, I don't know, to eight, 10 years ago or something. And Letterman said, you know, you recognize that you created an entirely new comedy paradigm mm -hmm. starting in the 80s that's just been replicated ever since and Bill's like oh, I don't know that I want to accept responsibility for that and he said what's your trick he said if I can do a single thing if I can calm myself down and breathe everything will happen yeah and I'm like oh isn't that the truth and isn't that so hard to accomplish just even thinking about it saying is it hard to accomplish is like you know the, but just by talking about it you make it a thing yeah can't even really do that 
people always talk about Bill Murray's comedy or you can talk about I don't know, Daniel Day-Lewis's acting or these really craft center people and Meryl Streep famously never talks about her process oh. for 40 years, 50 years. People wanted to know, you yeah. know, what do you do? Sure. Step one, wake up in the mirror and if you see Meryl Streep in your reflection, you're good. You're good. But like, I think just by talking about it, <laughs> yes, you make you it this thing. And you were talking about directing and I don't know how you are about this, but I feel like it's totally a different muscle than what we're talking about. Like for me as a director, mm -hmm. I'm super prepared. Yeah. I walk through every shot. I know the sets inside and out. Yeah. I walk through all the blocking. I wanna make sure I'm not asking an actor to make a cross uh -huh. that can't be made. Every I dotted, every T crossed, especially behind the camera. Like there's our people who are certainly more talented, but like no one's will outwork me. <laughs> you know right, I mean? like, right. I'll put in the, the effort, you know, the yeah. sweat. And then when you come on set, knowing you've done all this preparation, you can get loose and just roll with things. And the preparation allows uh -huh. me to then just throw it all out. Yeah. But I need to be like super, I'm just kind of a teetotaler. But acting is the exact opposite. You want to feel a little bit chaotic or that you're finding your way. Yeah, or, or just freeness. It's the total opposite. And so like there are those actors who direct themselves and I don't know how they do it. For me, they're two totally opposite and oftentimes in conflict approaches to the work. Well, it is interesting in that when you're directing, you're supposed to have a global perspective of the whole story you're telling. And mm -hmm. then the actor's job is to be telling a very real moment. Yeah. And often those don't, uh, they're, they're in opposition sometimes. You got to make the sausage, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I also think as an actor and also as a director to a certain extent, like your job is to kind of find some art in the sausage. Oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah. some craft in it. Sure. I mean? But it's, yeah, it's this fine line of like doing the work and then letting it go. Uh-huh. It's a note I give actors sometimes and it's received with varying amounts of positivity. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I'll tell an actor like, you're lennying it. You're just squeezing the rabbit so tightly. You're oh, oh, Lenny you know from I mean? a Mice and Men. Yeah. Well, you yeah. gotta hope that they've read of Mice and Men. I explain it and sometimes <laughs> you just nod. They, maybe they don't know. I get the impulse. You oh, want to be yeah. so good and you sculpt it, but you just kill the rabbit. Can't squeeze so tight i think it was bradley cooper i'm name dropping but it's relevant because he's a fucking beast yeah so it has some weight to it when he said this i did some scene and i fucking didn't think i hit where i was supposed to get to and blah 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 and he goes dude how many times have you thought you crushed a scene you go and see it in the movie and it's fine and then the scene you thought you sucked at is your best scene totally and i'm like once i took stock of it i was like oh that is absolutely the truth we're not that great of assessors of our performance anyways no well with bradley cooper he really changed the way i direct i directed an episode of kitchen confidential oh you did a million years yeah yeah i was there for one episode and between him and frank langella like i learned so much about directing i would go out to bradley and start talking, you know, mm -hmm. and use lots of words. Right, right. He goes, you don't have it yet. Meaning uh, the, the note. He's like, mm. oh. You don't have the note. Oh, interesting. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Like, <laughs> and I came away with this. If you can't convey a note mm -hmm. in a sentence. Yeah. You yourself are still struggling. You don't have the note yet. Oh, very know? interesting. And you can't give it to the actor. So I started making this speech about what whatever you know <laughs> right how to right. come into the kitchen you know <laughs> he's like that's not you know and then the other thing he corrected me on which was great i started directing in disney channel nickelodeon doing a lot of kids stuff yeah. and you know i never want to give line readings i hate that i didn't like that as an actor so i don't want to do that to other actors 
But I would find that I would like indicate a performance in the way I would give the note. Of course. Mm. And he called me out on it. Ah. And I was like, you're absolutely right. He wasn't a dick. Like I've run into him since then and I've told him how he just totally changed my approach to directing. He was completely right. He's a craftsman, yep. you know? Always has been. And always. Yeah. He really uh, changed the way I approach things. Well, just really quick, a line reading is when the line says like, hey, can I help you? And then the actor goes, hey, can I help you? And then the director comes in and goes, you know, it's more like, hey, can I help you? You're actually reading the line Delivering you want it. it. Yeah. yeah. But there's also this famous quote, right? That's the only four directions that should ever be given are uh, louder, quieter, slower, faster. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever heard that? I mean, they all boil down to that. <laughs> yeah, all, yeah. I want to be surprised. The worst thing I could get as a director is exactly what I asked for. Yeah. I don't want that. Right. Because you're going to deliver the line way better than I, I could. You know, yeah. In that part. Like, I can give you a general idea or a feeling or a direction. Yeah. That's what I love about being a director is the being surprised, you know? At people's talent, I don't want to be surprised like, oh, shit, it's 4 o'clock and the sun's going down. <laughs> screwed. Like, that's not a great surprise. Those right. Are too. Yeah. But just the surprise that people's talent can bring to it. Yes, I also want to say that I do believe of all the different directing jobs out there, you, you have been in the lane that is the hardest. I've only directed two episodes of TV. When I've directed shows that are already established in tone, already established in all these things, and the script is out of my hands entirely, right. you're now executing someone else's vision. I find that to be more challenging and particularly challenging in television because you're entering a clubhouse where people have been friends for four years mm -hmm. and you're an outsider. So... What you've chosen to do, I do think is the hardest. Clubhouse thing that you mentioned is definitely something I had to get over. I found it's just me in my own head. And whether it's true or not, it's not super productive. Because yeah. you do, you walk into a clubhouse and I feel like no matter how many times you've done it, there's kind of like a, let's see, oh, let's see what this is all about. When you're on a TV show, you get a different director almost every episode. So you have a different boss every week, which is just by design a very weird dynamic. Yeah, so yeah. there's who's this guy? And then there's also, I'm not going to let them screw this up for us, you know? Right. And everyone feels that way from the actor to the showrunner to grip or an electrician. Like, I love this job. I'm not gonna let this guy you yeah. know, screw it up. So yeah. you have to come in there and put everyone at ease. Mm -hmm. But the thing I like is the sandbox is defined, you know? Right. But what you do in that sandbox, it, it's up to you. I think episodic directors get a bad rap because there's a very easy way through that. And you oh. just kind of take what's come before you. Or you can say, okay, here's the sandbox. Let me try and do something a little different. I like that challenge. And also as an actor, it's a good exercise of, I think your job is to find some emotional toehold in the script. That you can anchor yourself you can into. Anchor yourself, and that's what it's about. Right. I remember when I first started out, I was saying I was doing Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. For a minute, for a brief bad minute, thought I was kind of better than the material. You know oh, what I mean? of course, yeah. And be like, I would hold it at arm's length and say, you know what, this is not who I am. I'm doing this right now, right. but I'm really that guy. And I realized that not only was that just a jerky move, but the work was not good because I held it at arm's length and I wasn't invested in it. Yeah. And then I felt even shittier because I'm like, not only am I here, but I'm doing bad work. Like, <laughs> right, right, so, right. Just so I can feel better about myself. Yeah. And say, oh, I'm bad. Like, it was terrible. So then I had this really change of heart. I don't journal. Like, I'm not a diarist. But I remember sitting down and, like, writing down how I was feeling. Yeah. Which I never do. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, it's a bad way to approach the work. And I remember I did this episode of Hannah Montana. I was directing. And I was like, you know what? This show's about 
identity and who you really are and the fear of being accepted. And this is going to be the best fucking episode of Hannah Montana ever. And I still stand behind the performances that they, <laughs> they turned in on that episode. Yeah. But it felt great. I was like, that was a good episode of that show. And I feel like that's your job as a director and as an actor to find some foothold yeah. to you that you can hold on to, some emotional connection. And sometimes that's really easy. And other times it's really difficult. But that's your job. Well, you know what I have to do for myself? The very first thing I have to tell myself is, this is for the audience that loves this show. Mm -hmm. And they are entitled to this show in the same way I'm entitled to Master of None. Like this, there right. is no high watermark of what, it's just what people like. Right, yeah, it's for the fans of the show. And it's also for you, like you need to feel good about yeah. your work. Yeah, I remember talking to someone about reviews. I did this show for Netflix called Friends from College mm -hmm. that I really liked. And when the first season came out, like the reviews were, not good at all. Not and ideal. Not ideal. <laughs> and Nick Stoller, who wrote it and, and directed it and created it with his wife, Francesca, he was super bummed about it. I'm like, we like the show. Yeah. Like, that's all you can control. I feel like I'm broken enough to not believe anything good that anyone says or writes about me. Sure. But I'm not so broken that I'll only believe the bad. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So it's all just noise, the good and the bad. Yep. And at the end of the day, it's... How do you feel about the work? I'll go even beyond that. My, my place now is, how did I feel making it? Mm -hmm. Fuck the result. Right. Fuck how it turned out. It's over. Did I have an awesome five days on set mm -hmm. of that thing? Because that's my life. I'm not going to be 80 years old watching fucking shit I did. I'm going to be thinking back on my time on set. Right. I remember auditioning, and it was unconscious. And only later did I realize why I did it. And then I did it consciously. I'd walk out of the room and... The nearest trash can, I would throw out the script. Uh -huh. just Not that I was angry or pissed, but it's just like, it's over now. All your fretting, did I get it? Did they like me? Am I going to get a callback? What am my yeah. agent going to say? The only thing you can control is you prepare for the work and did you do a good job? Yeah. And once you walk out, it's over. Yeah. You leave it behind you. And do you think that just has come with having been in this business now for 31 years? Is, is it something that just over time you can right size the stakes? No. I mean, I still feel like my current job is my last one ever. Yeah, yeah. But as far as the perspective of the reviews on the Netflix show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that just just time served or yeah, I mean, effort you put into that point of view? I think it's, yeah, the work that you kind of do to stay sane. I think that at the end of the day, you know, you go to sleep at night, it's you in your bed and your with your head. Yeah. And, you know, your, your, your spouse, your siblings, your parents, your best friend, whatever that circle is. But you, you don't want to let the circle of approval be too wide. Yes, it's not healthy. But yeah, I think, I, you know, you're so quiet. I feel like I listen to the show. Mm -hmm. I'm so into the show <laughs> and I'm getting now self-conscious. No. You, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's a bad layout. It's not it's your a, fault. But I just feel like I listen to the show. I'm a fan and I enjoy your interjections. Thank and you. I don't know if I'm, you no. know, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I'm killing it. <laughs> I don't. I don't need the help. That's I right. love you know? it. There's right. that. Like, That's like right. me and Dax just vibing, <laughs> and it's hard to get in. Or you're just like planning your day, and no. you're, they're horrified. I'm here. I'll tell you the truth. I want to know because I, I, I enjoy the show. I'm a fan. I enjoy when you take part. Thank you. I'll tell you the truth about this specific interview. We have an hour. Oh, uh -huh. you're stressed about time. So I'm a little I'm late. bit like, I was late. no, it has nothing to do with you being you're late. You're punishing it me. Has, <laughs> I, I'm mad I'm at you. I'm getting the cultural. I'm mad at you. Yeah. No, no, I just don't want to take up any space because the space is very valuable today. Uh -huh. And I'm also thinking ahead of what we're going to keep and what we're not going to keep. Yeah. I'm so you're also, editing right now in, in your head. In my brain, I am a little stressed out that he hasn't 
talked at all about yeah, your, we're getting there. Yeah, that I'm, was going to be right now. I'm well, just getting nervous, you know. <laughs> right, right, That's right. What's happening? No, it has I mean, nothing look, to do with you. Time is valuable, but no. I would argue that your addition, you know, is Thank part of that value. You. Thank you. That's very right. Nice yeah. To say. Oh, 100. Well, percent you're editing it now in your head, and what are we going <laughs> to well, do? Well, I just and... like, oh wait, 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 an hour. Unless I really need to say something, I'm not gonna. I was mm. very late today. It's okay. It's uh, okay. No, it's okay. You had an eye appointment. It was important. Yeah, and but I was thinking of you guys. They were like, oh, do you want to put that stuff that dilates your pupils? You know, I was like, no. I've got a podcast to record. I want to have my wits about. I wish you came in with manhole cover eyes because <laughs> my conclusion would be like, oh, wow, Fred does cover. And he yeah. has really kept it on the rails yeah. every year. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so the things that I do, I know you and I both want to talk about because yeah. of the theme of our show in general. Yes. We're endlessly fascinated by identity and really it's a self-imposed thing you give yourself mm -hmm. and then in rare situations you become a public figure and it's also then imposed on you by the outside. And of course you had this incredibly unique Literally, there's a dozen people we could mm -hmm. that you're in this club. Yeah, yeah. In my lifetime, yeah, where you were 10 years old and you get on a show. Well, first you get in Princess Bride, which mm -hmm. is incredible, and then you get on this show and you become a famous 10 year old. And I imagine like Bateman, who was in here, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he said, you know, at one time my name was a great asset, and then for many many years my name was something I had overcome, and it's such a peculiar, fascinating, interesting dynamic to have lived through. It's true, it's true. And although you mentioned Princess Bride real quick, when you yeah, talk about yeah. the noise and reviews and all that stuff, that was one, it was People panned. Didn't, really? Terribly. Oh. And I don't know a single person who wouldn't put that movie oh, in their top no, 20. Now it's exactly. like this iconic thing. Yeah. And I, I feel like I can talk about it because I was just a small part of it. But like, it's a huge iconic thing that people share with their kids. Seth Green, I went to his wedding and we watched it immediately after the ceremony. We went straight into a movie it's theater and watched The Princess Bride. But so people's opinions, are, even now, they're so knee-jerk. They're so yeah. fast. They're so instant. And time just kind of lets it all, it all kind of... The, the truth kind of rises to People the top. People throw these rocks in the water, whether it's great or bad. Yeah. And then just the ripples just kind of settle, and then it doesn't really matter. You're from Chicago. From Chicago. And you somehow convinced your parents, I guess, to move out here? I was started acting in commercials when I was a kid in okay. Chicago. Auditions being held at the local community center, uh -huh. hot dog commercial. Went there with my friends. You know, our moms took us, not to break into show business, but just something different. Like, instead of the park, you know, that day we went to go to this cool, fun bit of Hollywood in our small town. Yeah. Didn't get the job, which was fine. Wasn't even aware of it. And then the, six months later, the same director called me for another audition. And this time it was downtown, oh. which was like a big deal. Like mm. there was a bit of a drive. And so I went down and nothing came of it. And that, the same director called me about six months later and said, oh, we want Fred to come for one more audition. And we didn't know anything about showbiz. My mom's like, look, we've been to two of these things. We didn't know people auditioned like forever. It's not gonna yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, we've done two, this is enough, enough. enough. And he goes, well, just ask Fred. And it happened to be for Pac-Man Vitamins. Oh. And this was like 1982. Jesus And it was Pete's. the biggest thing in the I world. I think I may remember that. It's on YouTube. Really? It's on YouTube, which is oh. crazy. My you first job it? ever, you can find it. And it's amazing, I watch it, I'm like, I can't believe that launched this. So I heard Pac-Man Vitamins, oh my God, of course I gotta go, let's go. Yeah. And I got that job and I really enjoyed it. Chicago now is, you know, like LA or New York, but then it was very small. And there were a lot of ad agencies, you know, Leo Burnett and BBDO were all in right. Chicago. Yeah. And so there was a lot of commercial work being done, but not a ton of people. And so no, unless John Hughes was making a movie. And so just be became one of these kids that worked a lot. And were you aware of the fact that you were making good money? Was that on your radar at that age? Like I can fucking buy any big wheel I want. No, no. <laughs> 
No, <laughs> never. I remember I got a job and I think it was like a Sears catalog. I got paid $300. And I remember I went to Toys R Us. I got Defender. I got an Atari. Ooh. And my parents, I, I told someone I, I made $300. Yeah. And they're like, Never again. Ah. Uh, and I never knew about you didn't money. Know. I, you probably made 80 grand off that Pac-Man commercial and you don't even know. Yeah, I'm just swimming in that <laughs> palace, you know? So no, I never was aware of money. I was never aware of anything. I just, I really enjoyed it. I really did. Right. And my parents saw that. So they encouraged it. You had nine years of anonymity. And so, <laughs> that's right. right. I was six. I was six when I did that Pac-Man Vitals commercial. Okay, but I'm talking now Wonder Years. Oh, so yeah. So Wonder Years, I was like 11. Yeah. Okay. So you had 10 years of uh, what I'll put in quotes, a real life. Sure. And so. <laughs> People say that, like, did you have a normal child? I'm like, what is that? Yeah. What is, I mean, yeah. did you? Like, right. I'm, I mean, who, no such thing. Yeah. I mean, well, lots I have, of violence and stuff. Is that right. normal? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it was definitely public. I'll grant everyone that. But yeah. it was my childhood, you know. But when you went places as yeah. an 11 year old, mm. 12 year old, if you go to the mall, Beverly Center, wherever the fuck right, you got right. your shit at, Galleria. Yeah, I was Galleria. Galleria kid. Okay, yeah. great, yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Sherman Oaks Galleria. <laughs> sure. When you went there, you know, adult human beings probably yeah. said hi to you and stuff. And I think that's the part we're all probably focusing on in our minds is like, I just imagine me when I was 11, all I wanted was a Honda Spree. And mm -hmm. if I had went to Aco Hardware and half the people in there said hi to me because they liked my show, I just, it's very hard to comprehend. And it's weird to say, it, I never felt overwhelmed or scared. Oh, good. I felt like, and I still, I still feel this way now. I'll tell my wife, she's like, oh, I went to the store. They were not nice. I'm like, oh, you can't, they were great. Yeah. The store, so, <laughs> like, are you an idiot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I walked in, I feel like I knew everybody. You know, I, everyone said hi. Yeah, yeah. Really, they're willing to help me. And I, she's like, you're a moron. <laughs> yeah. A, she's completely right. Yeah. And I think that, I really mean it. Like it was always so positive. Everywhere I go, even when like, I was working a lot as a kid and I didn't work as much. I'm working more now. Even in like the bit of the dip, you know, I went to college and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. There was still, I feel like when people would see me, there'd be like a- An immediate excitement. Or like I went to high school with him. Yes. They're like, I know him and I feel like I have a positive association. I can't put a finger on it, but yeah, sure. I can get you a table at 830, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. that is. Like, yeah. So I, growing up, we never took advantage of it. I, I remember The Man Valley Six on Ventura Boulevard uh -huh. uh, in Tarzana. We always would go see movies. That was our movie theater. And there was a line, and we were staying in the line, and the manager came out, oh, what are you doing to come, come inside? And, and my dad was like, why? Oh. Said, well, no, just, you know, he goes, no, we're okay. We're, we're good. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. like, there was never, like, celebrity. Like, I yeah. just feel like it was, like, people knew who I was and had this positive feeling. Your dad was successful, though, right? My dad was in real estate, broker and developer. And yeah, so he probably made good money, yeah. Well, I was not in a situation, sometimes when things go sideways for young actors, they are the earner for the family, and that pressure is put on their shoulders, like right. earn for the right. family. Like, I can't handle that pressure. I'm 43 years old. The pressure to, like, support my family is, like, keeps me up at night. Yes. So to put that on someone who's 8 or 9 or 10 or 15, right. I, I couldn't imagine. So I didn't have that pressure. I will also just say, if your dad had some amount of money and he could do nice things, mm -hmm. it wasn't like you got pulled out of a trailer park and the whole family would be like, wait, we can go to the front of the, you know what I'm saying? There's something, right. there's something probably in, in the fact that your father had accomplished some stuff and had some means that the experience wasn't like going to Disneyland. It, yeah. My dad was like a, a really strong work ethic. He uh -huh. wasn't like a fancy guy. Is he, is he dead? Yeah, he passed away like three years ago, four years oh, ago. Oh, I'm in the dead dad club too. Yeah, Welcome. I know. Yeah. yeah I, you know, it's so funny. 
I remember calling a friend and asking about like hospice care. Mm. He said the exact same thing. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, welcome. It's true. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. But he was really hard worker, you know, not super fancy, not extravagant. And so that's kind of how we grew up and how I approach work. But as far as like the fame or celebrity or whatever you want to call it, it was definitely around, but it never like penetrated. I never thought I was that special. Yeah, Monica and I were, were talking, I think, you know, cause we'll go around the country and do live shows mm. and we're like, we go into a Starbucks or whatever. And, and the person's like, oh my God, what, what do you want? Right? Right. And I have said, can you imagine if everyone was just treated like I'm treated, the world would be so happy. Then also, oh, this is what hot girls have experienced their whole you know, life. It's so funny you say that because people ask me about it. There was that great 30 Rock episode with John Hamm when just being handsome just made life <laughs> yes. just like, so just like 13% easier. <laughs> yes, and I feel it like does. That's how famous I am. I'm like a really handsome man. Or you're 6'4". Yeah. Just yeah. Like, every, <laughs> like just exactly. the presence is here. People are just like slightly more accommodating. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, you know, security details and the restaurants are closed for you. And Ooh, it's right. just like- yeah. Everyone's like, sort of presenting their best version of themselves to you. <laughs> yeah. Think, yeah. 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 Nice. Like, you know, maybe there is a large in the back. It's not all on the floor. <laughs> yeah. you know? right. Maybe they'll, they'll take the extra effort to check in the back, you know? Yes. Just it's a little bit it's nice. nicer. Yeah. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having you. Because you were, not to out you, you were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be specific. Rob and I received some texts Yeah, I was locked out of my therapy setting, (laughs) which is this attic. But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, Talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for it. Ooh, that's exciting. 
If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So after Wonder Years, which just to throw it out there, you were nominated for two Emmys and two Golden Globes, and you were the youngest actor in history to have gotten those. Wow. So that's that's impressive. Now, at that time, did you have a someone you were striving to become? It was always Ron Howard. Yeah. It was I mean, always Ron Howard. That's definitely the path you took. Acting at a really young age, transitioning to young adult actor, mm-hmm. you know, going from Andy Griffith to Happy Days. Like right. that was from like, I don't know, three to 20. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. And then starting to direct. And really quick, because was it because you were laying it up, as we would say, or playing it safe? Like you knew the best chess move for longevity would be to diversify your skill set. It was a genuine interest in directing, uh-huh. but I think the longevity of the career, mm-hmm. I really admired. I knew at a young age, I loved being in show business. And I also was aware enough to know how tenuous that is. Sure. Especially as a kid, like there's a shelf life to how old you are just because of the calendar. You turned out to be exactly as cute as you were on that show. Come on. on No, you you, you did. (laughs) And some actors, the transition isn't as graceful. I thought a lot about that because it depends on what your commodity is. What's your superpower? Or yeah, yeah, more yeah. crass way, yeah. like, what are you selling? You're selling your cuteness just because time passes, like you're not gonna be that It's got cute. a shelf life. Or, or if, you know, I was never an ingenue or a hottie, you know, right. uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you were aware of that, but I wasn't. But that hottie. that has a shelf life. And I really lucked out, you know, just ending up on this show, yeah. you know, that was a really quality show yeah. and took like a broad view of life. I was able to kind of live in this space and play this character that it had a much wider scope. It wasn't yeah. just about this one being cute or being right. like that gap in your teeth is adorable and that's why you're gonna be in that commercial. Well, you had the very rare opportunity to be solely driving the narrative of a show at mm-hmm. a young age. Generally, the kid's on the show and we're going to him 30% of the time to be cute and funny. But right. you were actually our protagonist. It and it was being told being also show. from an adult, nostalgic looking back perspective, which gave you these other layers that probably wouldn't have been there without that construct. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, look, there's definitely, you know, young actors way more talented than me that were in stuff or on shows that weren't as well written as The Wonder Years. Yeah. I just lucked into that. Yeah. But now these actors had to carry the mantle of like maybe not a great show, like it was their fault or something, but they're talented 
actors. That was Burt Reynolds' always complaint. He was like, listen, I'm not getting nominated for anything. I'm going away and shooting 30-page scripts, uh -huh. Smoking the Bandit, right. and turning it into the biggest movie of the year. Yeah. There's got to be a prize for that. Right. I'm That's not sitting down with the I'm Lawrence Kasdan script and, yeah. and this director. How are we, how we doing? We right? We're doing good. Everyone's doing great. Why, why do you make the decision to go to Stanford? First of all, it's impressive. You went to Stanford. Wow, I didn't know that. Monica and I are both. I'm very impressed by that. Oh, good. We're, yeah. we're edgy-files. Edgy yeah. We're, we're kind of obsessed with the, Fancy the schools. pretentious status of that. We are. A, what made you decide to do that? B, how do you get into Stanford? Were you on the lacrosse team, fakely? Like I was the a other? rower. Yeah. <laughs> a rower I'm and a, a lacrosse rower. player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, college was always... You were always going to do it. Always. It was never a question. It was just for my family. Like, that's what you did. Yeah. Also, in high school and starting to think about college, it was that Ron Howard, like, view of a career. More than one person was like, you're an idiot. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And I was mm -hmm. like, well, trying to look at, like, a career, 10-year chunks yeah. for a 40-year career. You're like China career. planning their economy <laughs> 50 years out. You know, and also, I'm not some hot body that was going to go in for you. <laughs> I was like, this, this body will be waiting for me at the end of college. And it really embraced me with open arms. But I was like, I should be able to take a few years off. In the scheme of a whole career, that's going to be a, a blip. Yeah, And so it was never an issue whether or not I was going to go. You have a powerful frontal lobe. Yeah. At that age, I'd be like money, sex, and drugs. And that's the conduit to those things. I like that you're here saying this because sometimes Dax lumps every human into mm. his own right. philosophy. That's right. And so it's good to have people. I relate like much you. more to Lindsay Lohan. Like sure. if you would have given me $8 million, right. I would have jumped a Ferrari off of Mulholland, high on Coke, engaged in a three-way while driving. Right. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't have access to any of those things. <laughs> or else I, I, I mean, it's a, that's, a, that's very tempting. And you majored in English? I majored in English, and I knew I wanted to be a director, mm -hmm. or at least wanted to try it, you yeah. know? And I just felt like I didn't want to go to film school because I felt like I've been on sets for so long, but I wanted to know storytelling. That was important to me. Yeah. So I felt like studying English, you know, you're reading and studying and parsing, like, all these great stories. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I, I came away from there. I feel like knowing how to approach a text. Sure. And so I still use those skills when you look at a script about story and structure and character. Now, having been on TV, did that make the college experience easier or harder or both? Certainly you're getting more attention from girls than you would otherwise No, because college was a lot like, you know, I was in and out of high school working, but college was what I would imagine high school. All the girls liked the jocks. Oh, okay. You know, Even like, though you had been on TV. Yeah, that's what I would, you sound just like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, Guys. When I was at, yeah. but, but he's a, he plays water polo. I was like, ah, oh, uh, shoulders are so broad. I get it. They are. Uh, they're so athletic, those guys. But how I ended up at Stanford was, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the TV thing played into that a little bit. Sure. But I was a good student. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, I worked really hard in school. You know, I feel like that school, when I got there, everyone was extraordinary. You know, so right. my TV thing, like, that was my thing. Sure. But then my freshman year, like, the guy next door spent the summer cloning the tuberculosis gene to find a cure. <laughs> oh, and well, literally the guy on the other side of me was the world wiffle ball champ. Oh. And Tiger Woods was in my freshman class and Chelsea Clinton Whoa. wasn't well, far behind. Whoa. And Reese Witherspoon was in my class. All these people went year. to Stanford? Wait. I had no idea. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let's back up to Tiger Woods. Uh -huh. Did you actually see him in oh, class yeah. and yeah. shit? Yeah, we were friendly. We were you were friendly. Yeah. Yeah. He was awesome. He was Get awesome. out of here. But then he left after like sophomore year, I think. To go make 100 million a year. Unlike your profession, he would have been right to be playing golf. Yeah. When yeah. you're young. I think he won the Masters when we were freshmen. Oh, Oh my God. Oh my God. Now, was he pulling down a ton of attention from the females or still only water polo players? I think he was really 
real straight and narrow. Didn't go out. Oh. Didn't drink. Okay. And obviously there was a pressure release valve. Well, I was going to say. let go at some point. I, he was a very super focused guy. I see him as someone who was probably robbed of their childhood through the pursuit of that sport and then needed to go out and do all that stuff. Then, early bed, early to rise. Yeah. Didn't smoke pot. Didn't drink a sip of liquor. Right. Like he was, and look what it, I mean, he was the, you know, greatest of all, the greatest ever. Yeah. I didn't know all these people went to Stanford. I know. Maybe we could we, go there. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about Stanford being the college we both thought was like the one to I, get into. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, then. yeah. It was I, great. That was the one we idolized the most. Yeah. Because it was a free thinking Harvard. Did you go to college? UCLA. Yeah. University of Georgia. So, I mean, do you feel like that mattered at all? Like where you went to school or? Yeah, not at all. Does it, your life today, would it be different if you'd gone somewhere? Like, I don't know. Maybe my life wouldn't be different, but I have felt more tremendous pride for having gone there and graduated than any other probably accomplishment in my life. The fact you went to and graduated college, you're, yeah. From that specific school, which I had also held up. In a higher, yeah. As as a dyslexic kid who didn't learn to read till fifth grade, it held a real significance to me to have gone there and gotten honors and all that stuff. That's amazing. Like I gave the commencement speech a couple- You did? Last year. UCLA? For the anthro department. Wow. And um, I tried to say out loud that I was proud to have gone there and then I completely couldn't talk for about 12 seconds or I would have- completely started did you, bawling. Did you cry? Uh, yeah, I was like totally caught in my voice. I felt, I spoke, uh, <laughs> maybe not as prestigious, I spoke my high school graduation <laughs> a couple years a couple years ago. Very meaningful to me, very yeah. meaningful to me. Yeah. But I cried, yeah, yeah. When I speak in public, I get very emotional. Yeah. Very emotional. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, I guess it's the stakes are just high. Yeah, it's like when you're in the airplane, you know yeah. your life's in danger and you cry at movies easier. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's interesting. This is Monica informed me of this. Yeah, it's really? my theory. That you think Based you're on die. some science. Yeah. Let's also just say publicly, we love Rob McElhenney. Oh, the best. The best, right? Yeah, great. The best. Oh, that's, we met at yeah. their wedding. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. where yeah. I first met you. Boy, you guys can cut a rug. Oh, thank you. I tore my suit at that (laughs) wedding. You earned every I ripped the crotch right out, and then my dick and balls were hanging out in my underwear, (laughs) mind you, but it was just a full fucking schlong hanging out at the end of that. I didn't see your penis, uh, (laughs) which now I feel shortchanged, but your moves on the dance floor. You guys were amazing. Thank you so much. I brag all the time on here about being a good dancer, and I bet people are probably wondering if I'm exaggerating because I exaggerate about most of my accomplishments. I can vouch for it. Thank you so much. Now knowing what you were working against, I can only imagine if you were properly but it's sweatpants on yeah if you were properly hammer drop hammer drop crotch holstered yeah if you were properly holstered (laughs) I can't oh boy the heights you could have scored to but but when I met you I went through what I assume most people go through which is oh god that's Fred Savage Mm -hmm. from Wonder Years and he's an adult now and he directs Rob's show so he must be good because Rob's a perfectionist for me there's a 45 second processing of everything. Oh, that's cool. Oh, he grew up to be a nice person. You know, I want to walk away with some conclusion oh, good, about you. Good. And it was, it was all that was positive. It was all very positive. <laughs> good. That's and good. then we just bumped into each other going to the upfronts in New York because we were both promoting shows and you have a new show. I was so excited to sit next to you, by the way. Me too. And you told me about your show then and I immediately thought it was a brilliant idea. Tell everyone the concept because it's really, really a good concept. It's called What Just Happened. And the concept is it's an after show you know, like Talking Dead or uh, Watch What Happens. It's an after show for a show that doesn't exist. 
Isn't that, mm, Monica, the so cool. best premise? Yeah. There's a whole industry of shows yeah. that talk about the popular shows on. So Walking Dead is a huge show. And then Talking Dead became a huge show. Massive show. Yes. And Game of Thrones had a follow-up show. And there's all these follow-up shows bad. to others. Yeah. Mm. It's a genre now. It's a genre of the after show. And so we are doing a show for a show that doesn't exist. What's the name of the fake show? It's called The Flare. Ooh, I'm already interested. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Ziegers is the star of the Flare. Ziegers is the star of the Flare. He plays a character oh. named Chester Hastings, and the Flare, of course, <laughs> was based on a series of books by T.J. Whitford. It was written in the '50s, and like so many things written then, it was kind of an allegory for the Red Scare that terrified oh, uh -huh. people. Uh -huh. Based on a series of books, and we came up with this whole mythology. And so the first like you know two minutes of each episode yeah. is the last scene of that week's episode of the flare oh. and so it always ends in some moment of um, you know great suspense or cliffhanger yeah. yeah and then it minimizes in the corner of the screen and it cuts to us on stage and go what just happened that was incredible <laughs> and um such a good idea. So, and because you can only talk about something that doesn't exist for so long, then it would become just a basically, it's basically just a more interesting way or a different way to get into like a traditional late night talk show. Talk so show, right? So you have, you have a band, co-host. And you have a guest mm, come on, right? We have right? guests. So Rob Lowe is on and Tiffany Haddish and Ken Jeong and Joel McHale. Yeah. And Eric Stone Street. Vince Gilligan came on. Oh, wow. He was wow. amazing. We have terrific guests. So here's the tricky balance, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. It's not unlike Colbert's original show, which, where is... You're playing like a version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like he's character. playing right wing, yeah. but we know he's left wing. And then the guests are largely left wing, but mm -hmm. then the guests are forced to treat him as if he really is a right wing person. Yes. Which is interesting. I feel like when I'm doing it and giving interviews, because I'm like a super fan, like I'm uh -huh. so into the books that you know, I have this speech in the opening <laughs> episode how like, I read the books as a kid and I was super lonely because I moved to LA from Chicago because I was working on the Wonder Years. Okay. I didn't have a lot of friends. These books came to mean so much. Oh, so to it's me. so meta. It's, yeah. it's, it's really crossing me. in and out. It's really yeah. me. And they made this show and I, I get torn because sometimes I deviate from the books and <laughs> we have these guests on and I, there's times where the interview will just be like a straight interview and other times people really want to play into it. We borrow a lot from like, you know early Letterman or Conan. We do like remote pieces and comedy bits out in the field right so it's we're kind of kind of come up with this new way to do a show we're figuring it out we aired a couple episodes we're on sunday nights we want to just try and establish like a baseline like our first few episodes like here's the baseline now like can we grow it you know yes. can we grow an audience can we get people because it's a different kind of show yes if you want to anticipate what you think the show is going to be we're not going to reach the bar that you created in your head for the show you think we are. Right. But if you get along for the ride and yes. kind of embrace it, I think over the course of the, the first season, people will kind of get what we're doing and get into it because it's really fun. Well, it sounds very positive. It's like sincerely it's energetic really, and excited. It's all about like embracing fandom. Yeah. There's a few different shows that are our favorite shows, Monica mm -hmm. and I's. What are your shows? But, your big shows? Well, oh, man, Fleabag, so but that's a given. God, We're Fleabag. obsessed with Fleabag. Yeah, yeah. But the one I want to give the example of is The Patriot. Do you watch The Patriot? No. It is the best fucking really? show. It's really good. There's two seasons of it, and it's on Amazon Prime. I have to tell everyone I recommend to watch it, give it three episodes. Yeah. Because it takes three for your body to accept the tone. Yeah. Because at first you're like, is this a comedy or is this like an espionage show? And you're not sure when you're supposed to laugh and when you're supposed to be scared and all that. But all of a sudden, once you settle into their what is a completely original tone, you're like, this is the most original thing I've watched in years. And then you're off to the races and you can't stop watching. I think three episodes is a good... You talk about Fleabag. I remember yeah. watching the mm. first episode of Fleabag and she looked in the camera. I'm like, oh, she's doing Ferris Bueller. I'm, yeah. uh -huh. I'm, just, uh, nah, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll watch a couple episodes. And then 
of course, it's the most amazing, emotional, heartfelt, oh. honest oh. thing, and it's just poetry. And I think if you recognize it right away, you might still like it, but it's not going to push you. It's not, because mm -hmm. it, it'll just feel familiar. Three episodes feels right. Because there's yeah. those shows, I don't know if you have those shows, but people say like, watch it, does it get good to like halfway through the second season? Yeah. You've <laughs> got to watch the first 20. Yes, yes, but yes. You'll be, you're going to be glad that you did. Like, I can't. No. Can't Come on, it. man. No. I've heard that so much. Yeah, like, the first 10 <laughs> are agony. But yeah. 12, <laughs> you're in. It's like, I have kids, man. I can't. Yeah. But three sounds fair. And it allows you to try and get used to the water. You know, mm -hmm. like when yeah. you dive in, like you got to just get used to the water. Yes. And um, But I think we're doing something really different. You know, there's jobs that you have and you do and th throughout your career. If they, someone gives you the reins of something and says like, mm. go make a show, you know, yeah. go do something. I want to just try and do something different. Sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to do something that excites me and that scares me and that challenges me and not to turn my nose up at anything because I love all the jobs. I mean, we sure. talked about it. Like I want to try and emotionally find some connection to every job. But when those rare opportunities, when they're like, here you go, here are the keys. I want to try and do something. And clearly with, with your writing and your films and j even just doing this, like yeah. you're making something that's uniquely yours and it's speaking to people, which has got to be the most gratifying thing. For the first time, the I think. But that's got to be the most gratifying <laughs> thing is like, this is incredibly personal. It's all yours. It sprung from you. Like that's got to be the greatest, oh, greatest I, feeling in the world. Is, no, this this thing is like the greatest thing to ever happen yeah. to me. It's yeah, it's the most fulfilling. It's the most pleasurable. It's the most effortless. It's the most rewarding. It's incredible. You know, I'm sure if it was someone else's thing that they plugged you into, it'd feel great too. Yeah. But there's something knowing that this is on your terms that you made it happen. Like I, that's how I feel about this. Well, show. if people respond to it, that's amazing. And if they don't, at least you're like, well, at least I did something yeah. that I can feel proud about. I created the show with two other guys. You know, I, I'm a writer on the show. I'm hosting the show. I'm executive producer of the show. So I'm editing it. And it's a lot of me. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah, lot yeah. of me. It's hard to watch yourself. I don't, there's a lot of like psychological gymnastics I have to do to sit there. Like when I used to just act in things and I'd watch it, I would have this really bizarre critique of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But when I was just editing myself, I saw myself right size, which is I'm just a cog in this machine yeah. and the machine has to function. Right. So I, my ego for the first time ever, probably while editing my own performance got right size. I think that's kind of where I've gotten to is like, you're just a cog in the wheel. Yes. Anything about me like, oh, I don't, I'm not good. I don't want I didn't look good. My, yeah. Or any self aggrandizement. Oh, that was great. That's yeah. got, that's got <laughs> yes. to go on the show. I, I killed gotta that. Keep that. Yeah, David Sedaris, when we had him on, he said, that when he goes back and reads through, if anything stands out that he thinks is really great, he cuts he it kills out. It. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, it's too precious. Then I feel like, yeah, if you could step back and just see it as like just a cog in the wheel or something, yes, it's, it's much better. Fred, you're awesome. I really hope you'll come back and just stay for two or three hours. This was great. Honestly, I, like I said, I'm a fan of the show. I love what you guys are doing. I was thrilled to be seated next to. A good weirdo. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always sit next to some weirdo on the plane, but this is a good one. Now, just quick question before you go. Had the flight attendant come on the loudspeaker and said, <laughs> Yeah. Both pilots are, oh, are incapacitated. Mm -hmm. One of the passengers is going to have to fly. Are mm -hmm. there any pilots? And then no one's hands goes up. Mm -hmm. Now we're just selecting from the, the, the folks. Mm -hmm. Would you have felt confident with me trying to land the plane? You landing the plane? Yes. Of all the random 
people on the plane. But would okay answer and then <laughs> well because this is a long-standing debate between Monica and I. I gotta tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not jets, but I'm a pilot. I can fly a plane. <gasps> oh, oh, okay. I can fly a plane. Well, you would have to put your hand up then. I I would have had to put my hand, but I will say, as a pilot, <laughs> even as a pilot. I would have no idea how to operate those kinds of planes. They're very automated. I feel oh. like, yes, I think you are a, a gearhead mm -hmm, to some extent. Mm -hmm, so I think that is good. Mm -hmm. I think you communicate well, which okay. is very important over mm -hmm. the radios. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have enough arrogance to think you can oh, do it. 100%. But enough humility to know you need a little help. Mm, yes, the, the, the scale's still tipped a bit in the arrogance yeah. side, but yeah, to your point, you need to be a little cocky you to try that. You need to be a little that. cocky, because yeah. who's gonna grab that stick? <laughs> the right? yoke. So you have, the, yeah, the yoke, right? But you also have the humility that like, you know you're gonna need some help. I think you could land that plane. Here's the difference. Right. You're an actual pilot, <laughs> and you're saying, I'm an actual pilot, and I don't think I could do that. That's having some good <laughs> knowledge of yourself in the world. And he's saying he wants to just do it without even me being like, what kind of skills do people have on the plane? No, no, I don't think see. I couldn't do it. I'm saying that even as a pilot, I don't think I'm any more qualified okay. than mm. Dax to land. Oh, okay. wow. Well, That's a big... I, I think we bring similar <laughs> skill sets, <laughs> but I believe that, yes, just by virtue uh, of his hand going, if your hand went up, yeah, yeah you can land that plane because you think you can. Oh, yeah. The person has to think they can. Uh, Fred, thank you so much for uh, arguing in my favor. Uh, this will be ongoing and we'll tally it up at the end of the year. Fred Savage, I wish you so much luck and your show is on on Sundays. What just happened? What time? 9.30, 8.30 Central. 9.30, 8.30 Central on Fox Television. Thanks for coming and come back. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. If you listen for a while, AG1 shouldn't be new to you. What's not new to me, I've been a fan for over six years. I have it every morning. I had it this morning. But if you haven't tried it yet, seriously, it's such an easy way to improve your health. It replaces multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. In 60 seconds... I know I'm covering my nutritional bases and setting myself up for success to tackle the day. And for how simple it is, it's crazy what a difference it makes. It's full of prebiotics for my gut, vitamin B to keep my energy up, magnesium for my stress levels. I could keep listing ingredients and benefits all day, but you just need to know it works. So I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. If you want to find out your newest healthy habit, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com dax. That's drinkag1.com dax. Check it out. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. Ooh. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia. Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach. Yes. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia? Yeah. It mm. was a very common beach destination. Ugh. Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. We are supported by Mint Mobile. It's time to stop putting it off. Get your spring cleaning done. And I'm not just talking about your house. 
Now is a great time to look through your finances and see where you could save. Like, how much are you spending on your phone plan? Because if you're not using Mint Mobile, you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. Think about what you could buy with this saved money. Listen, if you switch to Mint Mobile within a few months, you could get yourself a gorgeous pair of Geordies. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Check change phone plan off your to-do list and switch to Mint Mobile. You can get plans for just 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash DAX. That's mintmobile.com slash DAX. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. We're gonna have fun, fun, fun till Monty checks those facts in the sun. (laughs) I got sun on the brain because it's hot as balls out. It is. It's sunny in Los Angeles. It is. You love it. You're in heaven. Yeah, it's my favorite weather. You're a sun worshiper. You would have done great in Egypt. I would have. Yeah. Wasn't Ra the sun god? Is Ra the sun god? Well, it's with Ra the sun god. (laughs) (laughs) Today I was sitting out and I did get a little too sweaty for comfort, so I had to move, Mm -hmm. which I don't like doing. And the attic is a nice stagnant 97 degrees right now. We got the AC going, but boy, it's a hard, big ship to turn around, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you feel like I do that your temperature has a huge impact on your mood. Oh, sure. It's too cold. I just can't be happy or nice to people. If it's too hot, kind of the same thing. But what would you pick? Because I I know what I'd pick. I go back and forth when I'm in sweltering heat. I think I would rather have it be freezing and vice versa, but I would prefer heat. I'd prefer cold because I can always layer up. There's a certain point when it's hot. There's nothing you can do. You get get down to your birthday suit and you're still sweating. What the fuck's next? That's true. But if you're layered up, but your face and your hands and stuff are still exposed, you can still be freezing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've experienced that. You've been freezing with it all bundled up down there and in Georgia, that I, harsh Georgia winter. <laughs> I've been in other places. I know you used to ski at fancy resorts yeah. with your friends. Exactly. You're uncomfortable because you're in a huge padded suit so you can fall down and not get hurt it's it's really conducive to getting drunk because you you really run no risk of taking a flight of stairs the wrong way that's true that's a glass half full (laughs) it sure is fred savage i would have loved to have more time with him to be honest oh man i was stressed out Mm -hmm. he noticed which was so nice that he noticed i left that in we're tingling well he noticed i was being very quiet and i was being very quiet because i was thinking but we're not getting to the meat of mm. Fred mm. Savage, the Fred Savage meat. Right, right. And more time of the bread. was just ticking. And we were only <laughs> on like the rye bread. Time was just ticking and ticking. We only had an hour and I was panicked. Yeah, you were a little panicked. Yeah. yeah. So I want him to come back. We're going to have to do a part two with him so we can get I'll more. I'll do it. I'll do it. He is very fun to talk to. He was lovely. Yeah. 
Jess said he had a crush on him. Oh, really? Yeah. I was about to ask you the same thing, and then I thought, you, you don't love when I do that. Well, I definitely don't love it when you ask in front of them. Yeah, that's not the ideal time or place <laughs> to do that. Thank you for learning. Yes, slowly. Yeah, he has some rhythm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. He's got a very disarming humility to him. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which is more impressive because he's been doing this for so long. Mm-hmm. So I would excuse some level of arrogance from somebody like that because I would just feel like, you know what? They really can't help it. They've been They've living been in, in this world for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. They don't know anything else. But he is not like that. No, nope, not at all. Down to earth, lovely. Reminded me of Josh Hutcherson in that way. Absolutely. Another child actor that chose the right lane. You know, for every horror story, there's, you know, several that navigated it just fine. Yeah, exactly. I wish we had talked a little bit about his brother, Ben Savage. I was a huge fan of Because of Boy Meets World. That was prime. Disney programming for you? Yeah, but not even, was it Disney? I don't think it was. I think it was. Yeah. I think Fred directed those. I mean, I shouldn't be introducing new facts, but I think I saw in his credits that he directed a Boy Meets. God, I can't wait to talk about that in part two. Yeah, oh, good. (laughs) It's warm in here. I'm very close to having to take my top off. All right. (laughs) Just do it. You Uh, owe a few pennies in the jar. You've complained about the heat a few times. Oh, but that was not my... Oh, that was my... Yes, it was. (laughs) That's not what I was thinking about when I thought about it. I I was thinking more of the good things in my life that I complain about. Sure. The the heat in this attic is not one of the good things in my life, is it? Or is it? It is. is. This is your job. You have a great job and you're complaining about the heat. I'm not complaining about the job. I'm complaining about the temperature at the job. Still. (laughs) Okay. Interesting that you have that like caveat. Caveat. (laughs) Yes. Well, when I made my New Year's resolution, I knew specifically the thing I wanted to stop doing. And that was undercutting my good luck because I was embarrassed that I have good fortune. Yeah. Yeah. But it's generally good to cut all the complaints. Negative complaints. Couldn't agree more. If I had to sort the people in my life and rank who's the most negative, who complains the most, yeah. you wouldn't be at the top. So don't worry. Oh, good. I was nervous before that sentence <laughs> yeah. concluded. I was like, where could've, is she going with this? Could have gone no- either way. My number one? Sure. Could have gone either way. No, not even close. Um, but we were all just on a beach for two weeks, topless. So I feel like this is fine in the workplace because we already did it. That's true. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Here we go. We've back. been basically nude for two weeks. We have. We've been scantily clad. We have a, a friendship that predated our work relationship. Yeah. I do wonder, like, when companies take these retreats uh, and these coworkers you've known for five years and all of a sudden you're seeing them in swimwear. Oh. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize Dan had a eggplant in his pack. pants. and oh. an egg. Pl- oh, well, okay, Come yeah, six-pack or Great Delts yeah. or whatever. I just went straight to the most problematic observation. Well, of course she knows that he has a penis. No, but I said an eggplant. That's a robust penile. I think you'd be more surprised by the the abdomens and shoulders and stuff. Sure, sure. Because that's under all your button-ups. That's true. But I wonder if it's just in general now, it's it's ill-advised for those retreats to take place somewhere where swimwear will be. I bet so. Uh, uh, as we as we evolve, in quotes, yeah. evolve. I think it's great to get the employees out at the beach and just everyone bounce around, splash in the water, uh, play a little volleyball maybe, knock back no. some coronies or some uh, heinies. None of this is appropriate. None of it's a good idea for longevity in a Fortune 500? No. Okay. 
Should we talk about what we watched this week, even though it's nothing to do with Fred Savage? Yeah, I'd like to talk about a couple of things that have nothing to do with Fred Savage. So let's say what we watched. <laughs> okay, we watched Aziz's special. Oh my gosh, is it great? Called Right Now. Mm, mm, it mm. is so good. He has found another gear. Yeah, I've watched it a few times. A few times now? Yeah. Oh, wow. I've only had the one viewing, but I love it. And I was talking about it today with the other thing I want to talk about that has nothing to do with Fred. <laughs> okay. Talib Kweli's podcast which i did this morning oh yeah i love talking to him yeah i love talking to him he is a great host great and he does great interesting research and nice. just a, a very amazing conversationalist but i i brought up to him hey have you seen it yet because there's one area in particular i'm so glad he tackled which of course only he could tackle or or i could tackle you could tackle it can't be tackled by a white person let's uh -huh. just say and that is kind of the patronizing placating way in which white folks find a way to brag about how woke they are. Mm -hmm. I thought that whole run was just delicious. Yeah. Yeah. You would really like that good. one the most. <laughs> I would. Because let's say I were a minority and all the majority said to me is like, hey, I really like Billy Joel. He's a great piano player. Uh -huh. and I'm like, oh, because he's white, you're telling me this? Yeah. That whole, all that stuff would get on my nerves. I would rather have someone just being abjectly hostile to me than condescending and placating. That's way more of a trigger for me right. than just in-your-face hostility. For me. Yeah. Yeah. I disagree. Definitely agree that it's like, okay, I, <laughs> okay. I know what you're doing. Then you have to kind of pretend, like, kind of have to go with it. It's it, that's yeah, cool because you see the intention is nice. Exactly. So yeah. that's why I prefer that because at least the intention is nice, and they are trying. And I yeah. appreciate tr effort. It easily swerves into pity in my book. It's like, why are you talking like this in this this bizarre? way yeah that you don't talk i don't know i don't know i'm just i love the way he broke it all down yeah i really enjoyed it Maybe. among other things he really killed a bunch of topics yeah it was it was really good back to fred back to mr savage so he had that game show mm -hmm. couldn't remember the original name of it it's five to survive which he did actually throw out there as one of the options he just couldn't remember right and then it became child support yep yeah. Child support. Questionable title, we decided. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I pulled up the Pac-Man Vitamins commercial. Oh, right. In the children's vitamin game, this is today's leader. Oh, here but we go. But for moms who want to change the rules to no sugar and no additives, this is a better choice. No Pac-Man, children's chewable multivitamins. For no sugar, Pac-Man's better. Flintstones is over 70% sugar. For no additives, Pac-Man They really put better. the target on them. So for complete nutrition Flintstones. of 10 essential yeah. vitamins plus iron without sugar or additives. <gasps> Hello, Fred. Hello, Batman. A better oh. choice. Oh, my. I got to watch that part <laughs> what of the end again. What a cutie pants. Plus iron without sugar or additives. Goodbye, Fred. Hello, Batman. Goodbye, Goodbye Fred. Fred. Hello, Hello Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Man, is he cute. Oh, undeniably adorable. I think we should make a Hello Bello Vitamins commercial where we're like, Pac-Man vitamins are terrible. <laughs> the way they did with the, the Fred Flintstones. Well, clearly the Flintstones were leading they were in the, the vitamin world. Yeah. They might still be. It's like Dr. Phil said, who do you tackle on the football field? The guy with the ball. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And the Flintstones had the ball, I guess. Yeah, he did stay cute. That's lucky. Yes, it really is fortunate for him. And, yeah. and I would argue rare. 
I yeah. would argue too. I can't say who I'm thinking, but <laughs> but I know who you're thinking. Of. Anyway, he's so cute. Mm-hmm. Unlike some other not so privileged cases, right? And <laughs> I'm grateful because he's so nice. Mm-hmm. He deserved it. He deserved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He really did. What I really liked because he said that he had a little regrettable moment where he started directing kids shows and he felt like a little bit too Above good for it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he found a way to sort of right size that, which I thought was awesome. And of course you thought that. Like, why wouldn't you think that? You're a big star. Mm -hmm. Anyone would think that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he had the wherewithal to have some acknowledgement that this isn't a good thing to think is so admirable. Well, that's why we're talking to him is because when you don't have that attitude, you die. You're too good for everything. When you get humbled, as we all do. You get some setbacks, then you're just out. Right. Yeah. You kind of see it. There's been some actors who are, like, incredible. And you're like, where the fuck is that person? And they're still waiting to be in an Inception. They're not going to do anything but Inception. That just means they're not going to work. Right. Because they at one time had some clout. Right. And they just can't readjust. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Now, me, I'll sell gardening equipment for true value hardware, whatever. You'll do anything. As the as the tide rises and, and falls, I'll just ride along with it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Oh, Come on down to Burt's used oh. cars. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I think his perspective was... Perfect, because it wasn't like, well, I'm in a rut, so I'll do it. It was like, <laughs> this is worthy, and I will find the truth in this. It's Buddhism. You take pride in your work, yeah. whatever your work is. Yeah, exactly. I think that's Buddhism. I don't I'm hoping. think so. At but... least it's positive. So if I'm wrong, it's like, oh, darn, I accuse you guys of... That's uh... a good affirmation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he said Ron Howard went from Andy Griffith to Happy Days, and that was from age, basically from three to 20, that span. So here's some math, okay? Okay. So he was born in 1956, and then mm-hmm. he did Andy Griffith in 1960. Four. Yep, so he started mm-hmm. when he was four. That ran eight years. Okay, so he's 12 when he got off of uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. And then he got Happy Days in 1974. Okay, so he's 18. And then it ran 10 years. 28. Wow. 18 to 28. So really 4 to 28, roughly, with a four-year break between the two shows. But he probably did other shows. He was doing stuff in there, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe he was launching Flintstones, Vitamins. He was darn cute on the Andy Griffith show. Oh, man. Some of you can whistle with a dip in. Well, yeah. I'll tell everyone. I can't whistle at all. Either with your lips or your teeth. Mm Mm-mm. How about your buns? That I can do. <laughs> you called us edufiles. You made up that word. Mm, edifile? Yeah. Well, educate. You said a few things. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway. No such word. There's no such word. And there really isn't a word that I could find that's people who are obsessed with universities. Uh-huh. There is. <laughs> Those people are just called snobs. <laughs> yeah, probably. But is it if we didn't go there? That's true. I don't think it is. You're right. Because it's like reverence. It's not, oh, I yeah. went to Harvard. Uh, Princeton yeah. was my and second choice. Uh, yeah. Ooh. But a lover of learning and studying is a philomath. Wait. Oh, this is so interesting you bring this up. Philomath? Yeah. So we were watching the Roger Ailes Showtime show, which we love, uh-huh. with Russell Crowe. 
the loudest voice. So I emailed my buddy David Nevins at Showtime. He's the president or the chairman or something. And I just said, hey, love the show. Miss you. Hope you're well. Mm -hmm. He wrote back, loving the podcast. Something, something. You're a real polymath. I was like, polymath? Mm. The fuck is that? Looked it up. So that's someone who is learned in many subjects. Oh, cool. And then I wrote back, I can't possibly be a polymath because I had to look up the word polymath. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So a, a feel of math. Yeah. Really quick. That's not, we don't love, we do love learning. Yeah. We are also philomaths, but that doesn't describe this thing. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's we, a separate thing that doesn't exist. Right. But we can make it up. A uni something, I think it should be. A uni, uni, unifile. A unifile? Yeah, a unifile sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. We're unifiles. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, so he asked, we didn't really get to talk about it much, but he asked, because we said we were obsessed with Stanford, Stanford. and all these and things. And he said, well, do you think your life would have been better if you went there mm -hmm. or if you went to school like that? Mm -hmm. I, he was diplomatically, very diplomatically saying, do you think your life would have been better if you went to an Ivy League school like that, that we are putting up on this pedestal? Right. And I said no immediately. Mm -hmm. And I do stand by that because even when I have all these fantasies, when we're like knee deep in our uni file. Uni, uni filing? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I then think about my actual college experience, and I would never want to trade that in. It was so perfect. I think it's fair to say if you loved going to college, you probably would have loved going to any college. I don't think so. I do not think that I would have been just as happy at any college. Why? Because the, the experience at Georgia, anyway, is so unique. To me, it feels so quintessential college. Like Animal House. Sort of uh -huh. like the experience, the football games, right. the everyone like rallying for one thing. Uh -huh. So I'm grateful to have gone there and had that experience. And like the downtown experience was like so fun. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very grateful I had that. You know, I don't know. I loved UCLA because I loved the education. Mm -hmm. I did not have any fun on the campus. I only made like two college friends because I was submerged in the comedy world. And all my friends were comedians and I was like four years older than everyone. Yeah. It's the only one riding a motorcycle there. I lived way off campus. So the, yeah. the whole campus aspect, I don't really have any nostalgia for. Right. That's I, my I, main level of nostalgia. Right. So for me, it's, oh, well, yeah, I could have gone anywhere, I guess, yeah. where the instruction was good. I want to list the three friends I made there. Okay. Alex Simcox, Jason Delion, who we're going to interview, who's now a god darn professor at UCLA. Right. So exciting. And then Christy Hugay. That's it. Those are my three friends I made in two years there. Okay. You have about two dozen friends, right, you made in college? Oh, more than that. Even more, yeah. Yeah, you really did it. <laughs> you did it. Aren't you glad you weren't pursuing acting professionally at the same time? It would have been so distracting. Yes. Ironically, yes, because I still was. I was a theater major. I wanted to be But there was no acting. auditions for you to go on No, there wasn't. But I was desperate to do that, mm -hmm. and it was all I could sort of think about. I, of course, wish I was a little more present in that time and could have been like, I'll do that. Yes. I got all the time I in the world time. to check. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is a problem we all have. Yeah. Living in tomorrow. It was so fun. Though. I believe you have one mm. foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow. You pee all over today. Oh, wow. Another saying I picked <laughs> up in the 12-step program. Nice. That's a good one. I guess that's all. That's everything about Fred? Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited to watch the show now. I'm going to check it out this I know. Sunday. It sounds really good. Okay. All right. Love you. Love you.